Hello and welcome to this week's episode of This is the Future. My name is Dayo Moyo. I trust you had a super splendid and productive week. Year 2021 would be remembered as a year of pandemic. But aside this obvious deadly virus that rampaged the world, year 2021 would be remembered as a year where African youths rose up to demand for change from the NSAS protests in Nigeria to the protests in Congo. The successes of these protests are debatable, especially when compared with what is now termed Arab Spring, a protest that spread from Tunisia to Libya to Egypt to Yemen, Syria, Bahrain. It was a protest that swept off four dictators, one of which is Osni Mubarak. Osni Mubarak was an Egyptian from humble background. He joined the Air Force Academy on February 2, 1949, after leaving the military academy. He quickly rose through the ranks from getting commissioned as a pilot in 1950 to a Spitfire fighter in 1952. By 1959, he returned to the Air Force Academy as instructor. And after undergoing training in the Soviet Union, he became the Academy's commander in 1967. In 1972, Osni Mubarak became commander of the Air Force and Egyptian deputy minister of defense. October 6, 1973, Egyptian and Syrian forces launched a surprise attack against Israel on the earliest day in the Jewish calendar in what is now known as Yom Kippur War. The Egyptian Air Force was instrumental to the initial success during this campaign, eating 19% of its target. Mubarak became a national hero. April 1975, surprisingly, Anwar Sadat's president of Egypt appointed Mubarak as vice president. He became the president's favorite and was sent on important foreign missions. October 1981, President Sudat was assassinated by Islamist soldiers. Osni Mubarak was by his side but was only injured. Following the death of the president, Mubarak became the fourth president of Egypt. To avoid the repetition of what happened to his predecessor, Mubarak initiated a state of emergency as soon as he assumed office. And this gave the Egyptian police and military power to intervene in any perceived security threat. And this quickly led to indiscriminate arrest of people, crackdown on opposition and freedom of speech, the use of military cuts. One would have thought that the so-called state of emergency would last a month or maybe a year at most. Alas, it was still in place 30 years later. In essence, it became the norm. Read through the biography of Osni Mubarak and you would quickly realize that he was kind of an alloy, two characters in one. To the Western people in the outside war, he was a broker of peace. He was a long-time ally of the United States. The U.S. banked on Mubarak for a free flow of oil from the east to all the parts of the world. In the region, Mubarak was a force. Iran, 
Saudi Arabia and Syria looked up to Egypt, especially when Iraq seemed to overstretch its power in the region. And this explains why Egypt was readmitted into the Arab League as full member in 1989. Ironically, the nation of Israel also looked up to Osni for advice on how to relate with other countries in the region. And it seems to many that Osni Mubarak was the thin thread that held Israel-Palestine relationship in place. But domestically, Mubarak was seen as a dictator who had overstayed his time. In 1987, he won re-election for a second six-year term. He went on to win the elections of 1993 and 1999 with no opposition. Mubarak's strategy was to have himself nominated by parliament and then confirmed by referendum, of course, without opposition. The 2005 election was for the first time a multiple candidate election. And during this election, one of the opposition candidates was convicted of forgery and sentenced to five years hard labor. As expected, Osni Mubarak won the election. The president ruled Egypt with an iron fist. Amongst other things, it was rumored that he was warming up to the idea of having his son Gamal succeed him as president. Gamal returned to Egypt from his position in Bank of America. And before long, he had lobbied his way to the top echelon of the party, becoming the head of National Democratic Party Politburo. He used his influence to control Egypt's industry, agricultural, and financial sector. Is it not telling that Osni Mubarak, the powerful modern-day pharaoh of Egypt, a man who was in the good books of the West, especially almighty United States, a man who was a god to heads of states in the region, a man who survived multiple assassination attempts, a man who had cemented his rule of 30 years. Is it not telling that this same man would be disposed from power in just 18 days? And this is why I say Africans as a whole are not yet tired of bad governance. The day Africans say enough, is the day that bad governance ends. And this does not mean in any way it doesn't guarantee good governance, but at least it gives us hope for one. December 2010, millions of Egyptians turned Cairo to demand that Osni Mubarak step down. In response, the security apparatus of the country clamped down on the protesters violently. The president came to live TV to announce, I do not intend running for another presidential term. I have spent more than enough of my life in the service of Egypt and its people, but now I am very committed to end my term for the sake of the nation. On the soil of my homeland, I will die. History will judge me and all of us. Egyptians would have nothing of this. They chanted on the streets of Cairo. The people want to bring down the president. 
And after 18 days of protestations and death of 800 Egyptians, President Osni Mubarak had to step down. He was 82 years old. In the coming months, Mubarak would be charged with corruption and the death of protesters. He was first convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment, only to be later acquitted on February 25, 2020. Osni Mubarak died at the age of 91. And this marked the end of yet another African dictator. And this is what I have for you on today's episode of the podcast. Make sure you share this episode with Africans and lovers of Africa. Let's learn the African history together. In the coming weeks, I will be starting another segment on the podcast where I'll be telling the story of Africans doing interesting things within Africa and outside Africa. I already have a list of people I've interviewed already, and I cannot wait for you to listen. Until then, have a blissful week. Bye.